0: In the reading of God's Word, our scripture lesson for this morning is in the 21st chapter of the book of the Revelation, the first four verses, and this passage of scripture is the text for the message this morning entitled, Heaven, God's Country. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God, out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are all passed away. Now let us- Over the course of civilization, I mean, the most fascinating reading that we can do is to study How nations come into being, study their lifespan, the reasons for their decline, and ultimate death. Probably the most famous study of its kind is the three-volume study by Gibbons on the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. Striking are the parallels of the attitudes and actions and what seems to be evidences of the decline in our own beloved America. The parallel between America and Rome are almost appalling. There are a great many different kinds of nations on the face of the earth today. A lot of interesting countries. I tried last night late to retrace some steps that I have made since a boy and tried to count off and to list the different countries that I have traveled to. And as best I could come up with my own personal list, I have been in some 39 different countries on this earth and have touched all of the continents of this earth except Australia. I was about 40 miles north of it one time and was wishing I could get down there too, but I couldn't. A lot of the countries that I have been to have been fascinating and interesting. A lot of the countries that I have been to have been interesting, but not necessarily do I desire to go back. But I want to talk this morning not about any of the countries that any of us have been to, or even our own country. But I want to talk about A better country about heaven. Now you've all heard the story about the preacher who preached about heaven and he asked for a show of hands to everybody who wanted to go and most folks held up their hands but there was one little fellow down in the front who did not hold up his hand. And the preacher called out and said, Son, don't you want to go to heaven? He said, Oh, yes, sir, but I thought you was getting up a bus for today. (laughs) Well, now, there are a lot of folks like that. One of the greatest friends I ever had in the world, one of the greatest preachers in the history of Christianity. I can remember him saying a lot of times, Heaven's home, but I'm not necessarily homesick. It's always a little bit interesting and strange when I see little children sing or used to, I don't know, I haven't heard it in a good long time, but sing that that old hymn, I am a stranger here within a foreign land. My home is far away upon a golden strand. A little difficult for little children to sort of get into that because it's a little bit difficult for those of us who are mature Christians to really get into that. Isn't it amazing, though, heaven is home how much we fight tooth and toenail to stay here as long as we can. And that's all right, too. That's a part of the way life is. But heaven is a great place. And in the midst of the energies that we spend, in the midst of all of the involvements of life, day by day, hour by hour, in the planning of life, year by year. We must never forget that heaven is home for the Christian. Because remembering that will make a difference in the way we live today and tomorrow. Remembering that heaven is home will make a difference in the way that we make our decisions about a lot of things about this life. Heaven is home. This is a wonderful country in which we live. There are a lot of things wrong with our land. But in all of the different lands and countries in which I have traveled and studied governmental systems of many other countries, with all of our faults and all the things wrong with us, it's still the best thing going. Well, that's the wonderful thing about being an American. That is that we can have a say in different levels of government. At least I have some part in the shaping of the decisions in those things that affect our lives. But even in this blessed and wonderful country that's ours, this wonderful America, I'm not sure that any one of us would want, in the light of all that's happening in this world, to just plan to stay here forever. There's so much crime lawlessness, rampant all around us. It's not a matter of what generation is more lawless than the next. Where in the world do the kids learn to be so mean? From the older generation, that's where. They have excellent models. Whatever age group you want to look at, so we cannot point an accusing finger at any age group and say this group is more lawless and more crime-ridden than any other. The drunkenness, the immorality, the constant threat of war, of bloodshed, the defect, and touches lives and homes of thousands and millions and tens of millions of people. The accidents that take their toll, the hatred, all of the financial problems, all of the family disturbances, the tragedy in Colombia. Of the trailer home fire where four little fellows have died in the last few hours. And on and on and on we could recite a gory and a tragic and a terrible roll call of the agonies that touch the lives of our people and touch our lives. And that is the background. God speaks to us about a, a better country and about a better place. And he says there's be no tears there. There'll be no heartaches there. There won't be any sickness there. No pain. No death. No bloodshed. No poverty. In that blessed place that God calls heaven. Folks will never get tired, and folks will never get grumpy. Won't that be wonderful? There'll be no burdens to carry that will beyond, that will be beyond our strength to carry the burdens. Let me pause for a moment. If for a parenthesis to say, I don't accept the medieval artist's picture of heaven that just has us in a, in a white robe and floating around on a cloud and, and uh, with wings and plucking harps and doing nothing for eternity. That's not heaven. Heaven is going to be a place of work. Heaven is going to be a place of labor. But heaven is going to be a place where our work does not destroy us and our labor does not tire us and where we can work and labor and enjoy the fulfillment of the efforts put forth. It's going to be a marvelous place where people never, ever grow old, where we never, ever have to say goodbye. It'll be a place where there's no sin. Because there's a marvelous place like that where there's no sin, then no one ever goes wrong. Why? In heaven, we'll be able to travel for miles and miles and never once see a funeral home. We'll be able to go for a thousand miles, 1,500 miles in different directions, the Bible tells us, and never, ever see a graveyard. Never see a tombstone rear its head to mark the place where death has conquered in his king. Oh, it'll be a country, a glorious country, and nothing ever spoils. There'll be no thunderstorms. There'll be no hurricanes. There'll be no tornadoes such as swept across. Arkansas and northern Louisiana last night where death came suddenly in the midst of the night when the funnel of the tornado touched down unexpectedly. No such thing. Because all of the elements of weather, all of the elements of the universe will be under the perfect control of God himself. In that place where the lion and the lamb lie down together, all The elements of the universe under the control of a glorious God. What a city! What a place! What a country! There'll not be the sun, no sun to shine there. We don't have the need for a sun, for the Lamb of God gives his brilliance to the whole place. No drunkards, no tobacco. A lot of you folks gonna smell better in heaven. No immoral men and women. No prisons. No jails. No reformatories. Imagine living in a place where the doors do not need any lock. And that itself would be a great blessing. It's going to be a place. There's not going to be any dirty books. It's going to be a place where they're not going to be any cripples. It's going to be a place where there are no hospitals. It's going to be a place where nobody is lingering in the agonies and the tragedy and the sorrows of cancer. And God has promised to let me live there. In fact, my name's already on the registration roll. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. And a lot of you have your name right there. In the moment you trusted Jesus as your Savior, In that moment that you just took the control of your life loose and turned it over to the master, in that glorious moment when you became a Christian, when you were born again, God says your name written in the Lamb's book of life. And so you've got a reservation. I've stayed in a lot of hotels over the face of the earth. Some I wish I'd never seen. And some I've enjoyed. But I'll tell you one thing, I've checked in to the glorious hotel of all the universe, and the name of it is not Hilton, it's heaven. And the name is there. And God has made a promise. But wonder of wonders of wonders is the fact that all over this world there are countless millions of people who say, I don't want to go to heaven. Wonder of wonders, the countless millions of people who would be utterly miserable in heaven. Wonder of wonders. Or the number of people who, when asked, are you going to go to heaven when you leave this life, who say, sure, I'm going to go to heaven, but they're living like the devil every day of their lives. I don't know why they want to go to heaven. There's an old story they used to tell over in Memphis of an event that happened about a hundred years ago there on that river town. So the story goes about a hundred years ago, on a Sunday afternoon, there were two of the old-fashioned steamers, the old paddle wheels, that are tied up to the same dock down there on Front Street. Both of them were going to leave at 2.30. One going upstream, one was going to go downstream. One of them was going to carry the combined Sunday school enrollment of the city of Memphis for a Sunday afternoon's outing. And the other one that was going downstream toward New Orleans was a gambling paddle wheeler. And the story is that two guys, like there are always people like this, who were running late. One of them was planning to hit the Sunday school ship. The other one was planning on that gambling ship. And they were beating it downtown and down to Front Street and to get on that ship. And somehow or other, you you know, they got crossed up. And the Sunday school fella got on the gambling ship. And the gambler got on the Sunday school ship. Now... You know, we we, we sort of have to assume the guy who was heading for the Sunday school ship was pretty miserable because he was out of his element. But they say that that gambler who got on the Sunday school ship absolutely lost his mind. He just couldn't take it at all. He was really out of his element. Now, there gonna be a lot of folks I think like that who sort of scratch their cheeks when you say are you Christian are you going to heaven when you die and say well, I guess so why sure preacher why yeah I think so why of course you know I will go to heaven well why do you want to go you haven't got any friends down here among the folks who have their reservations in heaven you don't walk with Jesus day by day down here what do you want to walk with him for all eternity for You don't serve Him here. There's no sacrifice here. There's no investment of your life down here in the things that relate to Jesus and to His church and to heaven at last. What do you want to go to heaven for? Oh, thank God, though, there is a place called heaven. And I think a part of our responsibility as Sunday school teachers and as preachers and as deacons and WMU folks and all the organizations of our church ever to keep before ourselves and before our people the reality and the joy of what life is going to be in the land that Jesus has prepared. Jesus said, I'm going away and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Jesus is either the greatest liar who ever said anything, or else he plans to come through on his promise, and I think he does. A place, oh, what a marvelous city! The Bible tells us that that city, that that city is going to be fifteen hundred miles wide and fifteen hundred miles long and fifteen hundred miles wide. The glorious new city, the wall. 215 feet high of Jasper and the supports are going to be 12 foundation stones named for the apostles and overlaid with precious stones and they're gonna be 12 gates and each one of them guarded by the angels. Name for the twelve tribes. It's going to be a city, the Bible tells us, of pure gold, like clear crystal. And a river is going to flow out from the center of the throne to all the city. At the very center of it will be the palace of the king and his throne surrounded by a rainbow, 24 seats at the foot of it for the holy beings to gather and four magnificent beings stand guard. And Jesus called it home jesus said it's my father's house jesus said it's the new jerusalem it's the holy city and it'll come like a bride adoring for his husband and do you want to go there would you like to live there would you like to see some of the glories of what god has in store why it's not just going into cold storage it's not just going to, to sleep in a, in a bland kind of nothing, never, never kind of land. Why, earth in all of the promises and the excitements and the adventures of earth will be just like a little vestibule in the midst of an enormous building that God is preparing for his own. It is a prepared place for a prepared people. Don't forget that. I go to prepare a place for you, said Jesus. And if I go and prepare that place, I'll come again. I'll receive you unto myself, that where I am there, you may be also. Oh, John sang so gloriously while I go about heaven. It'll be heaven because Jesus is there. That's right. Because Jesus is there. I go to prepare a place for you heaven's a prepared place but it takes a prepared people to get ready to live there and that's what jesus came to earth for that's why i left heaven to begin with and came down here and walked among us born in bethlehem's manger born of the virgin womb of mary born a sinless life born and lived that sinless way so that at last dying on the cross he who knew no sin could take my sin and yours and we could then be clean and we who are so scarred and marked and disease ridden with sin could be made brand new by our faith in him and that His blood washing all those sins away and clothed in the righteousness of the mantle washed by His blood, we then can stand spotless and clean and pure in the presence of God for all eternity. You've got to be prepared before you can get to heaven. Over in Bangkok, Thailand, old Siam. There remain some of the most interesting and colorful and fabulous palaces you could ever see. Ornate and unusual, almost like a Far Eastern Disneyland. Palaces. In the very heart of the courtyard of the old imperial palace there is a small separate building with that unusual tile colorful tile roof eaves turn up That's the throne room where the ancient kings of Siam would welcome the court would receive ambassadors from other countries the throne was there Before entering into the throne room itself, there is another room almost the size of this auditorium. And there are a number of enormous mirrors in this anteroom. Gold gilt frames. Magnificent. What are they for, I ask? These mirrors before going into the throne room. And the guide said, Don't you know? Before anybody would go into the presence of the king, he wanted to be able to straighten his tie and get his medals on straight and be sure that his clothes were just right and that his hair was just so and that the present that he would carry into the king was just right. And so the mirrors are there so that the ambassadors and members of the court can look just right before they go in to see the king. Hmm. That's what the Bible does for me as a Christian. It's the mirror in which I can look. And I say to myself, I want to walk into the presence of the king. I want to go to the throne room. I want to look at God. I want to be in the presence of Jesus. I want to look right. How can I look right? And God has given me in his word a glorious mirror. So I'll know when I look right. And when I am right to be in the presence of the king. Heaven is a prepared place. And it's a prepared place for a prepared people. You've got to get ready. You don't just blunderbuss your way into the presence of God. He's holy. He is majestic. He's sovereign. He is to be worshipped. How flippant we are sometimes in the way we talk about God. And the way we talk to God. One of the movie stars said, oh, when I think about God, I get all a Twitter. Why, he's just a living doll. And that's blasphemy. And I despise how some folks say, oh, yeah, I talked to the man upstairs. God is an awesome God. God is a majestic God. God is an all-powerful God. How dare we bust our way into the presence of God as though he must stop everything else that he's doing or thinking about and let us in our dirt and in our filth just roll our way into his presence. But Jesus said, My Father wants you to come. My Father is ready to hear you. My Father is ready to receive you. And I've come, said Jesus, to prepare a way for you. Why, I'm going away. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I prepare that place, I'll come again, and I'll receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. And whither I go you know, and the way you know. Oh, Thomas said unto him, Master, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, Oh, listen, fella. I'm the way. Jesus. Jesus is the door to heaven. Jesus is the gate of heaven swung open wide. And Jesus himself declared the glory of the truth. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And if you try to get there on your grandpa's coattails, you won't make it. And if you try to get there because of some name that you've inherited, you won't do it. And if you try to get to heaven because you're a member of a church somewhere, it won't work. And if you think you're going to go to heaven just because you've gotten wet in a baptistry somewhere, you'll be mistaken. And if you think you're going to heaven just because of some money that you've given to some good causes, even Christian causes, you got another thing coming. The only entrance to the presence of God is Jesus Christ. No other. Now after you know Jesus, after you love Jesus, after you accept Jesus, you ought to be baptized and you ought to be involved in the church and you ought to give sacrificially and you ought to let your life be given over to Him totally and completely. But these are the fallouts. These are the things that follow. Faith in Jesus. Heaven. Heaven's a prepared place for a prepared people. And I'll tell you this, and I'll guarantee you this, out of the authority of the Word of God, nobody, nobody who does not really want to be in heaven is going to be there. I'll guarantee you that. If you don't want to go to heaven, you won't go. God's not going to force you. If there are folks who live next door to you and they don't want anything to do with God and they don't want anything to do with the church and they don't want do anything with God for all eternity. Listen, God is not going to force His love and His presence and His grace upon them for all eternity, no. The only folks who are going to go to heaven are the folks who want to go. And if you want to go to heaven, there's a way. If you want to go to heaven, there's an open door. If you want to go to heaven, there's a way to get prepared. There's a way to be clean. There's a way to get the clothes right, to be washed in the blood of the Lamb you want to go to heaven, you can do it. One of my real heroes, some of you have heard me tell this story. One of my real heroes of the pulpit is a great black preacher by the name of John Jasper. I've read the story of his life by Richard Ellsworth Day over and over and over and over again. I try to read it once or twice a year. It's a glorious little book called Rhapsody in Black. Richard Ellsworth Day tells the story of this great giant of the pulpit. He was pastor of one church for 63 years. Can you imagine that? He died in 1901. He was pastor of the 6th Mount Zion Baptist Church in Richmond, Virginia. What an imprint for God he made on that city and beyond that city around the world. John Jasper was an old man. That morning he was at the platform of his church, the church that he loved. Somehow as he sat in his place, he, he somehow sensed, this may be the last time I'm going to preach to my people. Something just came over him. And sure enough, he only preached to that congregation one more time. He had planned to preach something else that morning. But he decided with that feeling that come to him from God, this is the last time you're going to preach to you folks. He changed and he preached the sermon that he had preached 150 times. Now, you get a little upset when your preachers preach to you and you say, hey, I've heard you preach that sermon before. Well, as soon as you start doing what we say, we'll preach new ones to you. (laughs) But here, uh, about 150 times, he started preaching about heaven. Oh, in his young days, in his maturing days he had been like an like an athlete dancing up and down that platform as he had unfolded the glories of heaven for his people, as he had declared, But this morning it was quiet. And he held on to his pulpit, for he was tired. And he said, I had I had a vision. I dreamed. I dreamed. I died and I went to heaven. I knocked on the gates. One of the angels came up and looked at me and said, John, what are you doing out here? Said, I just looked that angel right straight in the face. And I said, Mr. Angel, Jesus said I could get in. Said the angel opened up those gates and said, Come on in. I've got orders. Anybody that talks like that, gets in. Said I went in. Said there's another angel up there. Said John Jasper, we're glad to see you up here. Said I know you want to see your old mammy. Said yes, sir. Said, I sure do. Said, she prayed for me. Said, she never did think I was ever going to be a Christian. Said, she prayed for me and prayed for me and prayed for me. I want to see her, but not right now. Not right now. Oh, well, I know. I know you black preachers all want to see Moses first. You feel so close to him. He led the children of Israel out of slavery. And you have a, you want to see Moses. Yes, sir, I plans to talk to Moses for a long time, but not, not, not right now. Well, who do you want to see then? Oh, please, Mr. Angel, I just want to see my Jesus. When I've seen my Jesus for a thousand years, then I'll see the others. I just want to see my Jesus. And that's heaven, to see Jesus. John, come sing that again. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. And remember that heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. My question to you, are you prepared for heaven? Are you clean? Are you clean by the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed? Are your sins forgiven? Have you repented of your sins? Have you confessed them to God? Have you asked His forgiveness? Have you opened your heart to Jesus? That's the way to be prepared, to be prepared for heaven and then to be prepared to live. Now heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And without a rustle and without a sound... Very quietly, I want you to stand, and John's going to sing. And as he sings, you who need to come to say yes to Jesus, slip out and come on. You who need to move your membership, you do that. You come on. You who want to declare, I'm prepared for heaven. I want to get right. I want to get ready. Come on, and we'll pray with you. Come on.
1: I've heard of a land that is wondrous. Cheers!
0: bless you be seated please busher would come forward take a morning